Discover College Soccer podcast is sponsored by VO. VO is the number one AI camera solution helping players capture college recruitment videos. Check out their new starter and family options by clicking on the link in the description or visit Discover College Soccer to learn more. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Discover College Soccer. Today, I'm lucky enough to be joined by Coach Christian from Paradise Valley out in Arizona. Welcome, Coach. Thank you. Excited to be here with you. Yeah, excited to have you. The one place I think uh, in the United States that's hotter than Florida is Arizona right now. So uh, (laughs) I I, I don't envy you right now, but uh, looks like you're in air conditioning. So that's all that really matters. Well, let's talk a little bit. You know, we're talking here. It's uh, mid-August, so I'm sure I don't know if you have your players reported yet or not. Yeah, we started August 1st. Junior college is is the first ones that actually get to start. So we we had team meetings on July 31st and actually started practicing August 1st. Awesome. Well, you know, I think most people know community colleges, you got to do twice as much recruiting as everybody else with with everybody leaving. So kind of what is is your timeline in terms of, you know, we're, we're, it's August, you've got uh, the 23 classes practicing right now. So I'm sure you're focused hard on 24, but when, when do you look to, to get kids to commit? When are you, uh, are you, are you doing a lot of recruiting even during the fall season? What's that look like for you? Yeah. So I, I mean, that it's, a, it's an interesting question in the grand scheme of things. I, I I'll start by saying I've been coaching college soccer for, for 27 years, or this is my 27th year of coaching college soccer, the last five of it being at junior college. So I've been at four year schools, most of my career. And yes, the, the recruiting cycle at, at the junior college is, is slightly different, but it shouldn't be different. It is different because of the mindset of the families and the players and how they look at junior college soccer. Um, the reality is that we I should be recruiting on the same scale I was always recruiting, but a lot of times players won't consider a junior college as an option until they've exhausted other options. So what that ends up doing is pushing my calendar back maybe you know two to three months more than I would ideally like. I can go out and identify all the kids I want right now. I can get out and, and be inviting kids onto campus if I want. And doing all those things, but what history has told me, it's uh, it's a it's an uphill battle in doing that because the the kids are really exploring the four year options before they'll look at the two year options. So what really happens for me at the two year school is I'll go watch games, I'll go to the tournaments. We're fortunate here in Phoenix that we get a lot of the major tournaments coming here, so I don't have to travel. I don't have the budget to travel as it is, anyways. But just because of my location, I get ECNL events, I get MLS Next events, I get ECLNR events, I get other just big college showcase events that all come into the Phoenix area already. So I get to be able to go out and watch and identify talent that way. But I really get don't get into the meat of what I'm doing for my 2024 class. Uh, I probably won't really jump into heavy recruiting until December, January, February, because Again, I'm waiting for decisions to be made in that early, de- you know, that early signing period that happens. Um, I've, I've got to wait till that before kids will maybe take a look at it as that one considers beforehand. Because the reality is, Matthew, I'm going after the same kid I went after at a four-year school. I want the best player I can find that's going to fit our program. So I don't just, uh, just want to sit back and wait for, you know, some call the leftovers or whatever. I'm going to go out and find the kids I want. But I am tied by, you know, mindset of 
families on what they think is, you know, where junior college fits into the grand scheme and recruiting process. Um, no, I mean, you, and you mentioned something pretty unique also, you know, I have to do it two ways. I also have to move my kids on. So I'm looking at what I do with my with my sophomores right now and helping them move on to the four year school. So it's a twofold recruiting at the at the junior college. Yeah, absolutely. And and well, just more specifically at on on either the boys or the girls side, you know, how many of the players who want to continue on at a four year school, uh, what kind of success are you seeing in placement after the fact? Um, you know, again, I, I'm fortunate that I now I've coached both in my entire career. I've coached both men and women. Currently in my position, I am the men's and women's soccer coach in my current position. So I'm not doing both at the same time. And, uh, you know, it, it is, I, I would venture to say that I would about 75 of my percent of my kids actually do want to go on. And of the kids that want to go on, we get them placed. Um, you know, since I've been doing this so long, I, I do have connections across the entire country to be able to help place kids. Uh, but I will tell you, there's still 25 to 30 percent of those kids. They finish the junior college and they're ready to just go work on their college career. And we help them do that, whether it's I've had two people go into the fire academy and, and one of them is now is now working for the fire department. So, you know, that that's something they really wanted to do. And they chose us because we had fire science and then they can transition right into into that program. Um, and then I, I have a couple of players that, you know, the, the two years is up and they're just ready to move on to being a, a college student and what that looks like or into the workforce. No, it makes sense. Now, in terms of your overall recruiting, you mentioned going to events. Um, do you uh, do you do any camps or, or does your staff work any camps? And then do you look internationally at all? Uh, we don't look. I'll start with international first. I don't intentionally look internationally because we specifically Maricopa County Community Colleges in Phoenix, Arizona, that's the Maricopa schools, there's eight of us, we're not allowed to scholarship out of state players. So, yes, I'm not I have no problem talking to an international kid, but my challenge is an international player has to show they have $21,000 to get the student visa. Well, most of the international kids saying they have a budget of, of eight to 10 to 12. Um, at the end of the day, that's what it will cost, but they need to show the, the 21,000 to get the visa. So it makes it a little bit more difficult for me to recruit international kids. So I am focusing mainly in Arizona. And then beyond Arizona, I focus on the Western United States because we can offer WUI, which is for, for us, it's $97 a credit hour for an in-state kid. So if you think about that times 12 hours or 15 hours, it's $1,200 to $1,500 for an in-state kid per semester. And, and for a WUI kid, it's $150 a credit hour. So I can get a WUI kid in here for roughly $2,000 per semester for their tuition. Um, and so they're already picking up where uh, an international, any, any out-of-state kid outside of WUI, which is the Western Exchange Program, which is really anywhere Western United States, Anybody that's not in the WUI, they're looking at roughly $9,000 a year, $4,500 a semester for tuition. Okay. Well, that's not too bad. No. Um, in terms of uh, scholarships and, and other costs, do you do you have soccer scholarships? Are there yeah. academic scholarships? Well, what, what are some of the other things available? Again, you know, we, we, we fall in the Maricopa County Community College system, which really has a, a really robust scholarship program for kids in the Maricopa area. 
So anybody that lives in the Phoenix metro area, and if they're listening to you or they catch this, um, if they got above a 3.25, they're full tuition to kids. I, I, and they're, they're automatically 15 credit hours covered if they're above a 3.25. Um, I go in and I go ahead and offer all of our presidential scholars. I also give them another $250 a semester help with books. Um, so there's that aspect of things. On top of that, I do have scholarship money. Um, again, in the grand scheme of things, if I say that I'm giving $500 in scholarship money to a player, Technically, I'm I'm covering almost forty to fifty percent of their education. So, parent, well, only four hundred dollars. Well, a five four to five hundred dollars scholarship is actually a forty to fifty dollar or fifty percent scholarship. So, we still will do that. I I mean, I will scholarship my players. I say this. I will tell you this, Matt. I don't give any player a full ride here. Um, I think every kid has to have skin in the game. Now, if they earn the academic money, then they've had skin in the game. If they qualify for financial aid at some level, they're skin in the game because of you know their financial situations put them in a situation that they're getting that financial aid. So nobody's going to get a soccer scholarship from me that covers 100% of their money. But I will go up to 50 to 75% on my players that don't qualify for academic scholarships that are in Arizona. Those could be Phoenix or greater Arizona. Um, and I and I can get I usually will have anywhere between eight to 10 of my players could be getting that type of money. OK, well, let's talk a little. Uh, well, besides uh, the where where you recruit uh, and, and the financial side of things, if you're at an event, or any of those tournaments, anything kind of what is it that makes a player stand out to you? What are you looking for in your recruits, whether that's on the field stuff or off the field stuff? Well, it, it starts with, and I talk about this at, at events that I go to. I talk about this at college seminars that I'm, I, I've been part of and college seminars I've given myself. I talk about this from the standpoint of you can't go to an event as a player, assuming that you're going to get identified. Um, Matt, I, I, I really honestly believe what's inherently wrong with our recruiting system right now is too many parents and players believe that recruiting is about getting identified. And recruiting is not about getting identified. Recruiting is about doing the college planning and figuring out the process first and foremost. And if you do that, you'll get identified. So anybody that's, you know, when they ask me this type of question, I, I have to preface it by saying, I'm not going to an event just to go identify kids. Probably 90% of the kids I've, I'm going to go watch, I've already had conversation with or have been identified through the proper college plan that they've done. Um, I might find, I, I will find a kid at an event because I was at that event for watching somebody else that told me they were there. So I think it's real important when we talk about going to these events and what I do, and, and I'm going to tell you, most college coaches are like this. We already go to the event knowing what games that we're going to watch and who we're going to watch. So from the standpoint of a recruit, you have to make sure you get on my radar prior to the event. And the best way to do that is go and see what coaches are attending the events. Yeah. <clears throat> and, and then let me know what your schedule is. And then I, you know, I, if, if some, if I get people that email me, I make an effort to number one, look at what they've sent me. And if they, if I feel a good fit, I will make sure that I go and watch a game are a portion of a game. <clears throat> yeah, ab absolutely. Could, couldn't agree more with that. 
Um, I know you, you and I sing the same song when it comes to, to that process. So, um, well, let's talk a little bit more about the school. Uh, you know, I'm sure there's some folks not familiar with Paradise Valley. You've been there a few years now, obviously covering both both teams. So, so what are some of the things you found to be, you know, special about the school that make it a great place? Maybe some things we won't learn just by going through the website. Well, th this is what I love about being able to do this because I can kind of jump on the soapbox about Paradise Valley Community College. Um, I've, again, I, I say I've, I've, this is year 27 for me. I, I didn't land here by accident. It was when my, my wife and I were moving from our, when we lived in Alabama, we moved out here. Uh, PV was one of the schools that I looked at and, and you know, when the opportunity rose to, to come here, um, I jumped at the opportunity for a couple of different reasons. Um, I, when I talk about college recruiting with kids, when I talk about them, when they come and talk with us, really, and, and I think you would agree with this, there's three major buckets that families are asking. They want to know what the soccer experience is going to be like for their kids. And the kid wants to know the soccer piece. They need, want to know what the academic piece is going to be like. And they want to know how much this is going to cost me. So what I like to say is I think we can do the best of those better than anybody else in the Phoenix Valley and, and the Valley of the Sun, as we say. Um, I'll start off from the soccer standpoint. We compete in one of the toughest community college conferences in the entire country, both on the men's side and the women's side. We've had more national champions come out of this conference and out of this region. We've had more teams qualify for national tournaments out of this region and where we're at. Uh, because the level of play we have is so high. So from a soccer standpoint, I can clearly say, if you want to move on to a four-year school, and a lot of kids that might have the dream school they want to go to, Paradise Valley can be a great stepping stone to the dream school because you're going to get the level of playing that you're going to see at four-year schools. I, I know the level of play that we have is at a higher level. And so um, it, it's we can go in and compete. I, I mean, I we've scrimmaged the four-year schools this year, especially on my men's side. And I'll, we'll, we'll just say it, we've been very successful on the scrimmages so far um, against the four-year schools are here. So I know I can go and play against a four-year school and we're going to compete. And my guys are going to showcase themselves to those four-year schools. Or my girls are going to showcase themselves to those four-year schools when we go there. Uh, the second piece is really the academic piece that I like to talk about. And Paradise Valley is the only community college that's ranked in the top 100 in the state of Arizona um, of all community colleges. So the Aspen Institute, which does some of the rankings, they rank all the junior colleges and community colleges in the country, and we're in the top 100, and we're the only one in the state of Arizona. What does that mean for me? I know that our kids are being prepared academically to go to four-year schools because the ranking is based off the articulation to four-year schools. The ranking is based off the number of professors you have that have their terminal degrees. The, the ranking is based off of the retention rate of your students. And so when you're measuring these factors that are all part of being a student and we're ranked one of the top in the country, I now you're saying we play in one of the top conferences in the country. We've been successful in that conference. We now are one of the top academic schools. And then we've already heard some of our financial things in terms of what we cost. I challenge people to find a program that has all three of those at the level they do. Um, the other thing that I, I think is real important, Matt, is I, I, I'll share them real quick. We have a set of core values. I think every kid should be asking the coach, do you have a set of core values? What are the core values you have at your program? What, what is it? Because the core values are going to tell you what drives that coach. What is that coach's why? And, and I think it's important to, you know, if we look at Simon Sinek, what is the coach's why? What is your why you're doing what you're doing? So we took our, our mascot as the Pumas. 
P is a pathway to progress. U is we're united in what we do. M is we're men and women of integrity. A is we we stand we we want we're accountable for our actions and we we hold our teammates accountable for what needs to happen. And S is we're servant leaders. So those are my core values. They have nothing to do with us putting the ball in the back of the net. But at the end of the day, they have everything to do with putting the ball in the back of the net. And so I think it's real important that when you're looking at schools, it's not just about what you know how many games are they winning and all those things. You need to really dial in what is the why for what the coach is doing. And um, I know why I'm here. I'm here to help kids move on to becoming the best version of themselves and move on to their next level, whatever that next level is for them. Oh, absolutely love it. Love it. Well, in terms of the off the field stuff, the the academics, right? We're, we're talking about student athletes here. So, you know, sometimes the it can be a challenge acclimating to, to college sports with going to school. So kind of walk me through how your students best acclimate. Are there support services that the school offers? How does that work there? So my, one of my other roles here is I'm the student athlete success coordinator. And so we, we have a, I, I don't oversee everything. I didn't, I oversee some programming, but we require of all of our students, they have mandated study tables. We call it pastime. Um, all freshmen have to put in two hours a week. Uh, all, re all you know, sophomores have to put in at least two hours a week if they have a GPA below a 3.0. So we have we have that support system in that place. We have a student learning center that has tutors for anything that these student athletes would need. And so they can go and get tutors for what they want and what they're needing, whether it's a writing lab, whether it's math, whether it's, uh, you know, you know, struggling with an econ class. Um, you can get the academic support system you need there. Third, a part of my, my programming that I do is I do grade checks, and we do grade checks on all of our student athletes three times a year. So we have direct communication with our student athletes and what's going on with the faculty members and letting us know and giving us an early alert system. We have something that is very unique here is that we have faculty mentors for every single team. So we have a faculty mentor, a member of the faculty that mentors every single team, and they become a person that our athletes can rely on to help navigate challenges, my, challenging discussions with other faculty members. So sometimes faculty don't understand the role athletics might have in a program. Well, this faculty mentor is the one that helps buffer that conversation and we'll sometimes talk if you've got questions about something. So it, what it does is it removes the coach from the equation of, of the whole discussion. And it, what when we remove the coach from the equation, the faculty members now are more open to discussions because now the discussion's happening with the faculty members. So having that faculty mentor is, is a really important piece to what we do. And then we have a dedicated person here for student athlete services that she is here to do anything and everything for our student athletes in terms of questions that they have and what they need. Uh, the other thing specifically that I do for soccer from an academic standpoint is I have special advising days just for soccer, where we have the advisors that are coming in and working with our soccer players on their advising from semester to semester. Okay, great. Well, let's shift gears to the on the field stuff. Um, I mean, we talked about recruiting earlier, but is there a roster size that you're trying to hit for each team every year? Yeah, I, there is. I, I, on the men, my ideal roster size would be 25 to 28. Um, when I first took over here, I will be honest, I was in the 35 range, but that was mainly because I had to change a culture. I had to change an environment. 
Um, and part of that is you have to bring in, I, 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 let's put it this way. I didn't cut anybody when I took over here. Uh, I was not going to be the coach that was just going to cut everybody. What I did is I recruited a bunch of players that I knew believed into my philosophy. And if the ones that were here prior didn't like that, then they made the decision that they didn't want to be here. So the, the early years of my program, I had 35 to 38. Um, I think we sit healthy between 25 and 28 on our men's side. Um, on the women's side, I think the healthy side is 22 to 24. Um, and, and we try to get there. My women's side, uh, yo, if you're 2024 20, right now, you want to play college soccer at a higher level and you want to be at a great academic school, please hit me up because um, COVID was, was COVID really affected college colleges across the country. First of all, we did not compete during COVID season because we had a lot of players that decided not to continue to play because of that. So in not having the COVID season, when we came back, we built our roster. But then what happened in college soccer is a lot of four-year schools gave another year of eligibility. And all of a sudden, you had this backlog that was happening. And so it, we, we, didn't, we were having a hard time placing our sophomores, especially on my women's side. We were having a hard time placing our sophomores because the rosters were back, backlogged at four-year schools. So we allowed them to come back for another semester. And so I exhausted eligibility on four, 16 players last fall, and I moved 14 of them on. But that left me with a small group returning. And then I had a few that quit on me once the season started. So my numbers are about 14 or 15 on my women's side, which is not ideal. I want to be up in the 22 to 24 for our women. Okay. Now, what about staff? Obviously, you as a head coach of two programs, I'm sure you've got some good staff uh, yep. on each side. What does that look yeah. like? I have a fantastic strength and conditioning coordinator that oversees both the men and women in their strength and conditioning. We do do full-blown strength and conditioning here at this at our particular junior college. Um, in, the, in the spring, it's a class, and then we actually continue it through the summer. Um, and then Coach Whalen is also my main assistant coach on the men's side. And then Coach Yuri is my goalkeeper coach for both teams. And so he's working extensively with both of our goalkeeper coach play, goalkeepers on both sides. And he's got a reputation on one of the top goalkeepers in, in the Phoenix area. Uh, so I've been fortunate to have him as part of our program. And then he works with our women's coaching as well. And then I have another assistant that's a former player um, on our women's side assisting as well. And it's it, I, I absolutely... Just love that I have Vanessa right now because she has been where these kids were just not too long ago. And so, number one, she's got a fire in her belly to to really make sure things are happening. But she's passionate because this is her alma mater. She she went here and she wants to see these these girls compete at at the high level and be successful. So I agree. When you say you have the right coaching staff, absolutely, I have a brilliant coaching staff that. Um, you know, believes what I believe and, and believes how I believe the game should be coached and played and, and knows how I said that, That's how great. it should be coached first and then played. Okay. Well, th then let's ask that then in terms of how should it be coached? What is your coaching philosophy, your yeah. style of coaching, the uh, team style it, of play? It starts right now. You have to start treating athletes as people. When I start treating my athletes as people and coaching the person, I'm going to get a better athlete. So we really, it, it might, I have to have, my coach have to understand, we are looking at each individual person, what they bring to the table, what challenges they have, what, what are the, what, what are the strengths that they have? And we really need to focus on them coaching them as people first, 
And when we start coaching them as people first, then we start to understand that we end up with a better athlete and we don't treat them just as a bunch of athletes. So when I talk about coaching people first, one of the first things we talk about is a framework and understanding a framework on how we learn and how we understand and how we digest information. So if I'm intentional about that framework, the first part of that framework that I talk about is what we call understanding each other or understanding the what, why we're doing what we're doing. If us as coaches are not explaining to our athletes the what and why we are doing things so that they understand it, then we're really not treating them as people. If we treat them as people and teach them that first, I guarantee you will see a better result on the end. And so that you know, I I our approach is we coach we we create better people creates better pumas here. Love it. Well, coach, we've covered a lot of ground, talked about a lot of different things. I want to leave you with one last question, and that is if you had one piece of advice or, or, or nugget that you wish every parent player person going through the college recruiting process knew, what would that be? I love that you asked this question because I alluded to it before. College recruiting does not start with identification. College recruiting starts with college planning. You as the parents have a responsibility to sit down with your son or daughter and start asking questions around college planning. What can you afford? What types of schools do you want to attend? What are the locations that you want to attend? What level are you capable of playing? And you really need to spend time on the college planning process. And when you answer these, these questions in the college planning process, then you're actually going to know the types of coaches you should start to communicate with. And when you start to communicate with the right coaches, then you can start talking about how do I get identified by that coach? So my word of advice is start with college planning, not identification. Absolutely. Coach, love it. Well, wish you the best of luck. Hopefully this is a, a good season for you guys. Hopefully the heat dies down. So, so yeah. you don't have anybody dropping, <laughs> dropping yeah. like flies down there, yeah. Yeah. but uh, really appreciate the time and best of luck coach. Thank you. I appreciate it. Hi, everybody. It's Matt from Discover College Soccer. I hope you're enjoying the podcast, whether that's on YouTube or your favorite podcast platform. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button. I also wanted to let you know about the Discover College Soccer study table. This is our brand new online portal that is complete with a 14-part online course giving you all of the ins and outs of the college soccer recruiting process. There's also a wealth of resources such as checklists, templates. There's the spreadsheets that have every soccer program in the country along with their coaches their contact information their social media information uh, some basic stats about the school and more plus there's an online community where you can ask your questions share your wins your losses any questions that you may have around the college soccer recruiting process it's all there at the discover college soccer study table that you can find at discovercollegesoccer.com study table and hopefully we will see you there